A couple weeks ago, I, I had a woman ask if she could meet with me uh, to talk with me because she was getting ready to uh, have some big-time life changes happen in her life. For so long, she had worked at the company that she had been working for. She loved working for the company she worked for. She was good at the job that she did, and she was that job title. That was her. She loved it. She had done it for so long. She wanted to keep doing it, and yet she felt the divorce coming. She felt the company was ready to move on, and she knew it was just a matter of time before she was going to lose her job, and she came to me asking for prayers for peace, prayers for direction, because she didn't know who she was if she wasn't doing that. She didn't know what to do if she wasn't doing that. And so she needed help. She needed prayers. Who was she apart from this job? Who, what should she do apart from this job? Those are questions that you don't have to be in, in the workforce to be asking yourself. Those are questions that you can face no matter what stage of life you are. Who am I and what should I be doing? If you're a student, you could be in sixth grade, go, going on to seventh grade next year, and your thought could be, am I just a student? Am I just a student and what am I supposed to be doing is just doing homework and getting ready to graduate? If that's who I am, what happens when I get done with eighth grade and go on to high school? And you're about to go on to summer vacation, and so if you're in summer vacation and you're a sixth grader going into seventh grade, that doesn't start for another few months. What are you supposed to be doing, and who are you during the summertime? Maybe you're in high school, and you're looking at colleges, you're thinking about the future, you're thinking about a future career, and, and you're sitting here thinking, who am I? And what does God want me to be doing with my life? Maybe you're out in the workforce and, and you're sitting here thinking, I like my job, it's fine, but is this really what God has prepared me to be and to do? But if I leave my job, who am I and what am I supposed to do? Maybe you're retired. And you cannot wait for that day of retirement when you punch the clock for the last time, so to speak, packed up your office, went home, and now you're here and you're thinking, man, who am I? And what am I supposed to be doing with my life now that I'm not working? Who am I? What has God prepared me to be? And what has God prepared me to do? That's what this lady was wondering as she came into my office. And it's really what all of us wonder at some point in our life. Thankfully for us, Paul addresses this very thing in Ephesians chapter 2. And it's a good news for us because as disciples in this series, Five Habits of a Disciple, as followers of Jesus who want to learn from Jesus and then put into practice what we learn, we need to know who we are and what we're here to do. 
Paul expounds on it in Ephesians chapter 2. Actually, it's really the whole letter to the Ephesians. Uh, Paul wrote the letter to the Christians living in Ephesus in 61 AD as he was in prison. And he wrote to them basically a whole letter that has to deal with who you were, who you are, and what you're to be doing. Who you are, who you were, who you are, and what you're supposed to be doing. And he summarizes it all for us in Ephesians chapter 2. And so that's where we're going to look today, to find out as disciples what we're supposed to be and what we're supposed to be doing. Ephesians chapter 2, here's what Paul says. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the Spirit, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Paul says, who you were. And what does he say you were? Ephesians, people at Divine Savior, who we were, we were dead in our transgressions and sins. What can a dead thing do? Nothing. And so while we were physically alive, we're walking around living, breathing spiritually, we were dead, unable to do anything. Unable to come to God. Unable to help in our situation. We were dead in our transgressions and sins. That's what sin does. It kills and it killed us, spiritually speaking. And look at what Paul says. Not only were we dead, he says, we also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. At one point, who were we? People who loved to gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh, the heart. Uh, It's a big phrase today, to follow your heart. Maybe not always the best idea, because our heart is filled with sin, and it wants to satisfy the cravings and desires of the flesh. And if you want to put it to the test and, and see if I'm right, next time you're facing temptation, which one seems easier? To fall into that temptation and go that way or to live for God? There's going to be a strong pull to temptation because we want to gratify, our heart wants to gratify the cravings of the sinful flesh. We were dead. And not only were we dead, because of sin, which separates us from God, Paul says, like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This is a brutal section of Scripture, isn't it? Uh, My guess is, dads, as you were out buying a Mother's Day card yesterday, this section of Scripture was not in one of the Hallmark cards you looked at. Mom, we love you. You were someone who deserved wrath. You're not going to find that in a Hallmark card. And yet Paul says this is who we were. Because of sin, we were by nature dead in sin, 
unable to do anything, unable to come to God, and we deserve God's wrath. But Paul continues, verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And it's not from yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. As offensive as that first part is, this one might be just as offensive. How can that be? This is good news. We're saved. Praise God. How could this be offensive? Look at the words that Paul uses to describe why we are saved. Grace. It is by grace you have been saved. Undeserved love is what grace means. Undeserved love. God saved you and he saved me undeservedly so. So, so God's not up in heaven and he's not looking down and saying, you know what, Stephen Apt is really trying hard. He's really trying to clean up his life. He's trying to be a good father. He's trying to be a good husband. He's trying. Therefore, I will save him. No. God looked down from heaven and said, Stephen Apt gives in to the cravings of his flesh. He wants to satisfy the sinful nature in him. He wants to be selfish. He wants to be all about him. He wants to rule the world. He's arrogant. He is wicked. He is sinful. He is evil. But I love him and I want to save him. And the same is true for you. It is by grace that you have been saved. It is the grace of God, the undeserved love of God, that he sent Jesus into the world to die for your sins. We didn't earn it or deserve it. It is God's undeserved love. Notice the other uh, word he uses. It's the gift of God. A gift is something that you don't earn. A gift is freely given. If you earn a gift, that's called a wage. Uh, that is something that you work for then, and that's a paycheck. You work at your job, and they give you a paycheck because you've earned it. Uh, a gift is something that is freely given, but it's also given by someone who loves you and cares about you. Very rarely, if ever, do you receive a gift from a random person just because. A gift is freely given by someone who loves you. And that is what God has given you in your salvation. When I was a kid, I loved my birthday. And if you are a kid sitting in here this morning, you probably love your birthday too. For me, it wasn't because of the cake. It wasn't even because of the big party and the fun that was had at the party. It was the stack of presents that had my name on them waiting to be torn into. As I got older... I remember a, a day when I had to start buying other people presents for their birthday, and I thought to myself, this is kind of ridiculous. When you stop and think about it, I'm going out and spending my hard-earned cash on a present to give to this individual who was birthed into the world. They did nothing to, to come into the world. In fact, it was their mother who did all the hard work to make this human being come into existence, and I have to buy this person a birthday gift. 
That makes no sense. If anything, I should be giving mom a birthday present on that birthday. But that's why it's called a gift, right? It's a gift that we give to people. A gift is not something you earn or deserve. And that's what God says our salvation is. We are saved solely by the grace of God. We are saved by the gift that he gave us packaged in Jesus Christ who died on the cross and rose from the dead. It is only by the undeserved grace of God given as a free gift to you and me that we are saved. And he's prepared this for us. God has prepared this for you and me. And so what has God prepared you to be? It's your first point today. He's prepared you to be saved. That's what he's done for you. You are one of his saved ones. How do you know? How do you receive it? Through faith. He has done the hard work. He has gift-wrapped you salvation in Jesus Christ, and you receive what he's done for you through faith in Jesus as your Savior. By believing and trusting that Jesus is your Savior, salvation is yours. By the grace of God, he has saved us. What does that mean for you and me today? Paul goes on in, in chapter 2, verse 19. He says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You are not only saved and put in a corner of God's uh, uh, salvation kingdom. God says, no, no, no. You are saved and you are a citizen in his house or in his kingdom and a member of God's household. You are a child of God, saved through the blood of Jesus. That is who we are. And that is what I told the woman who came to talk to me. You are not your job title. You are a member of God's household, bought with the blood of Jesus by God's grace. By God's grace and grace alone. I'm going to illustrate this, and forgive me for my penmanship in advance. All right. So, what did we just hear? We are saved. We are God's, oh boy, I'm just going to put child. We are God's children, bought with the blood of Jesus. That is who we are. God saved us. He brought us into his family. We are members of his household. We now have vocations or roles that we play. So, I am a husband. I am a son, I'm a pastor, I am a father, these are the roles or the vocations that I play, here is who I am. I am a blood-bought child of God, member of God's household, 
That is who Stephen Apt is. That is who you are by the grace of God. That's what Paul is saying. You are members of God's household. These are the roles or vocations that God has placed me in. What can happen to one of these vocations? It can change or end, right? There might be a day when I'm no longer a pastor. There might be a day when, I don't want to say any of these, they'll change, husband, son, father, they'll change. One day my girls will grow up and move out of the house. My role as father changes a little bit. Uh, But let's say friend. I'm going to put friend because maybe a friend of mine will betray me, say, you know what, you're not as cool as you used to be, Uh, so they cut me out as friend. All right, my vocation as a friend now is done. Does this change who I am? Not at all. Did it change for the woman who came to talk to me that she lost her job? Does it change who she is? No. Our vocations can change. Who we are stays the same because we are God's children by the grace of God. We can even blow these different roles and vocations, but we can't blow being a child of God. We can't fail at it because it wasn't earned to begin. It's given to us by the grace of God of God, the undeserved love of God given as a free gift. That is who we are. That is who God has prepared you and me to be, is a member of God's household, a citizen of God. And it doesn't change whether you're 90 years old or nine years old. This is who we are. That's what Paul says, by the grace of God. Now, What are we here to do? That's what Paul goes on to say in verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are members of God's household by the grace of God. We are his children, and now God has prepared us to do good works to do good in this world. It's not, oh great, I'm saved. Yay, I'm going to go do whatever I want to do. No, 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 God says, you're saved. You're members of my household. Go and do good. God, We are God's handiwork. He has molded us. He has shaped us. He has created us to do good in this world. Not only good in this world, but good that he's prepared in advance for us to do. Every day we wake up with the opportunity to do good in our life because God has prepared those good works in advance for us to do. We just have to open our eyes and see the opportunities to do the good works. This is who we are. This is what we should be doing. We are God's children who are created to do good in this world. As we close up, I want to talk three things about good works. Number one, actually I'm going to talk about four things. Number one, good works do not impact your salvation. Your salvation is won solely through the blood of Jesus shed on the cross and his resurrection. It is by grace you have been saved. Paul even says, it's not by works so that no one can boast. Your salvation is won through Jesus. With salvation one, we now want to go and do good works. Number one, God wants us to do good works with the means 
that we have. We talked about this with Luke chapter 7. Jesus went and he healed, or he rose from the dead, a, a son who died. We don't have the power to raise someone from the dead. God doesn't expect you to raise someone from the dead. He has given you the means that you have to do good works with the means that you have. And that's good news for you and me, because we don't need millions and millions and millions of dollars in order to carry out good works in this world. God says, no, 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 where you're at in your life, the stage of your life, the resources that you have, the time that you have, the abilities that you have, do good within that. Number two, is generally speaking, we don't have to go looking for good works. God prepares us to do good works in the vocations or roles that we play. And so you wake up today as a father, as a mother, as a spouse, as uh, an employer, employee. God has prepared you to do good works within the roles that you have. So you don't have to go looking for them. You just have to live your life day by day and go through your day and look for the good works in your life that God has prepared in advance for you to do. Finally, number three, as we do good works, we get to be the mask of God. What do I mean by that? We get to go out into the world and be little Christians or little Christs to the world. We get to show who our God is, the good God that we have as we go out and we get to show the world who God is through the good that we do. As we go out and we demonstrate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. As we do that, we are showing the world our good God, who's not only saved us, but he has saved the world by his grace as a free gift through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and we get to go out and show the world our good God. This is who we are. This is what we get to do. We are members of God's household, saved solely by the grace of God, ready to go out and do good works to demonstrate the good, good God that we have. And as we do it, it won't matter if we're working, if we're uh, in the family, it doesn't matter what role changes because we know exactly who we are and what we're supposed to be doing in this life. We are members of God's house, bought with the blood of Jesus, ready to do good works to the glory of God the Father. May God be with us as we do this. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, we praise and thank you for the love that you have for each and every one of us that you would send your one and only Son, to live and die and rise again for us. We thank you that you have grace, undeserved love for us. We thank you for your mercy, and we thank you for the gift of eternal life that you've given to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you for faith, the trust, uh, and belief in Jesus as our Savior. We thank you that our salvation has been completed, and it's not up to us. It's not our works that get us there, uh, but it's only by your grace. Now that we are secure in who we are, we're ready to go out and work for you and do good in this world. Help us to see the opportunities that you've prepared in advance for us to do. Let us seize those opportunities and let us uh, do good, love you, love others, and demonstrate the fruits of the Spirit to everyone we meet 
uh, so that more people may see our good, good God that we have. We ask you to bless us and give us the opportunities once again today. In your name we pray. Amen.